your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan. We've got the power trio back in full swing. Alex is back from his wedding and honeymoon. And what a game to talk about on his return to the show. I'm Every sure time you say trio, I just want to like break into a rush song. But after today, <laughs> there's just no, no, not enough joy to do that, unfortunately. No, we got to something. We got to do like a funeral march or something like that instead. Yeah, that's more like fitting for the occasion. I was telling the boys, I uh, I wish I lost my passport in France because between returning to work and now returning to Everton, it's not been so great. Well, marriage is kind of a death of its own. So, <laughs> so I've been told. I've, <laughs> anyway, I've already had to put her on my insurance on, and pay for it, literally. I'm just, James, feel free to move on. Sorry. <laughs> that is an upbeat uh, wait, wait, note. Wait, to, for clarification, I'm a happily married person with a wonderful family. So, what, Good Way to CYA there, Ryan. Very impressive. It was a joke. Yeah, sure. On a, uh, no, definitely. And I guess on a less upbeat note than that, uh, rolling start, we did miss the Spurs match last week. Apologies for that, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, it was not the most exciting match to write home about. Neither was this one as Everton lost to Newcastle at St. James's Park with just one shot, not one shot on target, one shot which is their joint lowest since they started tracking shots game by game in the Premier League in 2003. Wait, is that bad? Uh, Yeah, that's like the basically the worst attacking performance we've had in eight years. The last time we had just one shot was in November of 2016 versus Chelsea. So yes, Ryan, that is bad. And to belabor the point, we're going to do a full show on this horrible game, but we will break it down and we will talk about some Options that Everton can enact to improve going forward, which we all desperately want to see. Before we do all of that, a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at USA Toffee Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Links in the description. Let's get into it, guys. Let's just knock this out. Instant reactions from our friends on Twitter. Alex, your selection first. All right. So first up, we've got Kevin Blazaitis. I'm trying hard at Kevin Blazaitis. Uh, he said, number one, we miss Patterson desperately both ways and cannot, in all caps, play Gray and Gordon together with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Zero fit. Uh, better with McNeil and one of the G's. Um, you know, that's actually a sentiment, you know, you've heard maybe a couple times on the show previously. And then number two, uh, in terms of how worried he is about relegation, uh, he's at a four out of 10, um, mainly due to World Cup scheduling and and January investment into a wide creator or two, leaving us 20 games to reach 14th. Um, that's hopeful hopeful thinking, but I wouldn't argue that we need it. My instant reaction is I'm going back again to Stephen Williams at Stephen M. Williams, uh, quoting Dr. Death here. We lost a huge attacking presence and personality in Richie and not replaced. Can't really tell you what our plan is in attack other than get the ball to a Wobie when we can. The positive is we are at least competitive in most games, but Lampard needs to get this team firing somehow. So I don't really subscribe to this whole replacement concept, um, but conceptually it's true. We we have downgraded with our attacking options out wide and, and it's obvious some matches, especially when teams take away the middle. And so, yeah, it's very difficult to have a distinct plan and attack too if we can't keep the ball and sustain it. Um, you can design all you want in the final third, but if people can't get in position and move it and enact it, it doesn't matter. Um, but there is a positive. We are competitive in these games. Uh, they're not blowouts in terms of we're down three or four nil. We always seem to have an opportunity at the end. And I think that does show some character, which is a reflection of Frank. But I agree. Frank does need to figure out some solutions and do some things a little bit differently, I think. James? I went with... Longtime listener and friend of the show, Casey Griffin at C underscore Griff 314, who said, headline, one shot is embarrassing. Could not agree more. Our movement off the ball was terrible, and we have no identifiable pattern of play in the attacking half. In regards to uh, confidence or level of concern, he said, I'm maybe a three out of ten concerned, though, as I think we have a lot more time and better personnel than last year, as well as the January window. 
some better personnel definitely have more time. It's still very early if you're planning to hit the panic button, which I think based on some Twitter reactions, some are definitely hitting the panic button. You know, I think today, well, I think a part of it today is that Newcastle are, are a good team and we'll touch on some of their numbers in just a moment. I think people are still thinking this is like Newcastle from years past where they've been firm relegation contenders. Uh, we're kind of, we've kind of flip-flopped in some ways where they're sitting in sixth place, I believe, as of end of day today. So they're really a good side, but inexcusable the lack of off- offensive a power that we showed today and have shown in the last couple games. So it is embarrassing and it is very concerning. For score predictions, we had just the one, Carter F. from our Discord. Uh, a lot of people predicted the one nail, but we're optimistic. God bless you for the optimism predicting the Everton win. I also predicted an Everton win. I will never learn. Now, let's get into the lineups of the respective sides, Ryan, and let's start with Newcastle. No change from their draw versus United. They typically play 4-3-3 with Bruno Gimarsh. Sorry, I love to over-exaggerate the Brazilian slash Portuguese names. Pulling the strings, kind of sitting deeper and controlling the match, and you saw a lot of that today. He was outstanding and is outstanding. God, I wanted to get us from Brazil so badly. Remember, I think I even brought it up on the pod uh, a couple years ago. But anyway, before we went to France, Newcastle are good. They've got the third highest XG in the Premier League. They haven't lost at home all year. Their X goal, you know, X goal differential is third in the league. So this was going to be a tough match, even without uh, Alexander Isak at center forward, the big money center forward they bought from Real Sociedad. And I, I mean, you look at the lineup and it's, it's kind of weird because you've got Burns sitting out there at left back at six foot seven, and maybe that's a little bit strange, but it kind of works because you've got some ball movers and boatmen there and, and Trippier, they typically push up high. So uh, they're a formidable team. Joel Linton's played great this year, and even Callum Wilson's not too bad. He can kind of do some of the things. So it's a formidable offense, um, but it did look like we had a relatively inact team coming back this this match, which I think is somewhat encouraging, kind of, Alex? You'd think prior to the match, um, but no, I, I, overall, yes. So Gordon comes back in for McNeil after his uh, suspension for his five yellow cards already this season. That's got to be a record for one of our attacking players, I think. Dominic Calvert-Lewin got his first start of the season, which is exciting. We know he's been eased back the last couple of weeks. Um, I think, you know, the main question leading into the match when you saw the lineup was going to be, you know, what are the roles going to be in midfield and what is the shape going to be? You know, who's going to be on what side? Um, You know, who's going to sit deeper versus Rome? I think we saw that change quite a bit throughout the match, um, which we'll discuss later on. But Ryan, why don't you... uh, take us through our our tactical setup did seem to be a couple different wrinkles frank has shown some different looks the last two matches at least made changes during them but it was back to the 4-3-3 at least that's what it looked like in possession although there were times it looked like we're in a 4-4-2 defensively with the Wobie leaving the midfield and kind of pushing up higher with dominic calvert lewin um, but again we had a Wobie on the right in the midfield with onan on the left and it seemed like a Wobie was was tucked in deeper, sometimes in possession. There was a little more balance there, but you really saw Nana with the ball running with it a lot more often, just like you had in the last couple matches. And and again, you also saw Gordon come back into the fold. And Gordon and Gray together, we've talked about that in the past. Not the best at ball retention. Maybe they thought that Gordon could really attack um, with his pace. Maybe they should have went with Gordon on the left side to try and get behind Trippier, but Look, our midfield spacing was so bad at times, it seemed like Ghana just having to cover and deal with acres of space, and especially when Iwobi would press. And we saw Nana get caught up the pitch at times, too. So before we get into any more of the details, I mean, the midfield shape, it just, the midfield should be a strength here. But I'm sure you guys saw a little bit what I'm talking about. There were times where you'd look on the screen, and you, if we had the ball up front or they had the ball in their back line, you almost couldn't even see our back line. It was just all this space with basically gone in and a bunch of Newcastle players. It made it way too easy to bypass our midfield. Did it not? Yeah, there was no real cohesion to the midfield and we've seen them link up. You know, there's been a lot made of the resurgence of midfield and how it's gone from a weakness to a strength in recent times. But today they just looked like the roles were very unclear. As you say, Ryan, I noticed a number of times Onana like leading the press almost, at least as far as our midfielders. And then, not providing the support and transition. And when you want really Alex, it will be pushed up higher. If anyone in that midfield to be able to create, 
it creates problems and Newcastle were very happy to exploit that space in midfield early on in the first half and pretty much throughout the match until we've finally addressed it later on. It's just tough because we, we've played three tough matches in a row, but there have been distinct changes to the midfield for those matches that I just think failed. And look at us in possession. I, I think in possession is where people got a little more angry, maybe because the casual fan tends to watch the ball more. I'm just saying, um, but you saw Newcastle stacking players in the midfield and forcing us to move down down the wings. I think who scored had Everton only attacking 21% time down the middle. That's that's about the lowest you're going to see. So ultimately, it, it was really up to Mikalenko and Gray on one side and Coleman and Gordon on the other. And yeah, I mean, that's and, and that's the weakness there. And I think that's why teams are having success. And, and you have to create a way to threaten them and either put numbers forward down the middle or bypass their midfield somehow. And, you know, again, Gray couldn't really get behind Trippier. So it wasn't like a situation where we had a lot of success against Liverpool playing behind Trent because they're predictable. Gray in particular had six turnovers in the first half and 15 touches. And, and you know, a big factor was to the refereeing. Yeah, I mean, the refereeing was bad. I was just going to add to your point about the, the turnovers and just the, the lack of effectiveness from Gray and Gordon. Feels like they were obviously getting the ball higher up the pitch in wide areas, but left pretty isolated and having to try to take beat two guys like Newcastle. were happy to put two guys on Anthony Gordon. A lot of the time he obviously can beat Dan Byrne for pace, but he's not going to be able to beat two guys by himself very often, especially with, I think, I think he's been found out a little bit, even with the effectiveness he had with some of his moves last year, he, he's become very predictable and easy, easy to contain. So um, yeah, just the matchups for Newcastle. They knew that we were going to have to go wide and they did a good job of, of shutting them out and we didn't exploit it well. We had a little more control in the second half, when, but it, everything was through Ghana. And, and every time Ghana would get the ball, even if he could turn, they're clogged down the middle. There's no one really to play against. And I think, James, in your upfront comment, it was Casey that mentioned the off-the-ball movement was terrible. And I agree with that. You know, and, and you're not sure what to do. Does Dom come back and receive the ball? He can't. There's too many people in between him. And and I think when we did get the ball to Alex Awobi, Awobi's on the right side now. He's not as effective. He's not comfortable dribbling at anyone. There's nowhere for him to go. He's not going to cut inside in his left foot. It doesn't help us. So you saw him feeding the ball to Gordon and them just smothering Gordon or Gray getting the ball with some opportunity to counter. And, and he, Gray does what he does, dwells on the ball like he never plays one touch. So. Anyway, uh, Newcastle had a lot, lot of shots inside their box. I think, what do we have here? It's uh, quick math. 69% of their shots are inside the 18, and they had a lot of shots. That's not a good number for us. I mean, it's about as grim as it gets, right? I mean, that's, I don't know what to say. Every single number kind of points towards a, a dominating performance. Without beating that anymore into the ground, let's break real quickly uh, for ads from our lovely sponsors, and then we'll get right into the match timeline in just a bit. And we're back, folks. Let's get right into the timeline. We're going to kind of gloss over a lot of the first half because it was just brutal, man. Not going to lie. It was really tough to watch. I mean, early on, Dominic Calvert-Lewin went in for a very rash challenge in the seventh minute and picked up a yellow. Never great. Still kind of shaking the rust off for Dom. And then at after that point, it was kind of just domination from Newcastle eight to one in shots three shots on target to zero for us of course four corners to our one and they had almost 60 percent possession I mean this game was really physical and the ref did not do a good job of I think controlling the level of physicality and let it got kind of out of hand and came to a head in the second half but particularly later on in the first half but a lot of fouls for both sides and particularly Newcastle were getting very very physical and we're not I, in my opinion, punished adequately. I don't like their response to this, too. I mean, it was seven to four in fouls at the half, but I mean, Newcastle fouled way more than that or went in hard on tackles that weren't called. They were aggressive, and I, I thought they were bullying us a bit. And I just think our reaction of diving and flopping and trying to draw fouls when it was obvious they weren't going to be called is not the right decision. Now, we wised up a little bit in the second half, but I don't know if we ever truly adjusted to way the game was going to make it a positive. I don't know if you guys saw it that way as well. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I thought the second half was more physical, uh, specifically Onana. I know we'll, I know we'll uh, get into it because we have more notes in terms of uh, his play, how he was moving the ball more, but also how we maybe felt that he was fouled quite a few times without getting, uh, without getting the call. Um, but we saw a lot of that physicality as he was trying to break the lines and, and push the ball forward himself. 
Yeah, he got a little more aggressive, I think, on a couple tackles in the second half, and it was helpful because he is a big body. We needed more of that, and it was just too little too late. To me, the biggest issue I saw is the inability to get the ball to Alex Awobi in a place that was dangerous. And and he's been our primary source of creation outside of the two wingers getting the ball in the box and frankly not creating anything, but you know, getting creating some shots, but not creating a lot of goals. And I just, I've seen it now for three games in a row, and I'm kind of tired of it. At least this match, Frank didn't throw Awobi at right back like he has the last two. But again, you're flipping Awobi and Onana, and I don't understand the logic behind it. So, so look, just look at the results. The last two matches leading up to this, when he was playing on the right, he started out at right center mid and then moved to right back. Progressive passing is dwindled. He's not getting the ball into the final third or the box at the same rate. You look at some of the progressive passing numbers in the last couple of games. He had 11 progressive passes against West Ham. He was sitting back and dictating, you know, and and nine passes into the final third. He was, what, he had eight against four, six against um, Chelsea in the first match. And now what do we see? Two and five in terms of pass to the final third. What, three progressive passes against Man U, zero against Spurs. It's He's he's high up in the pitch, but he's not in a position where he can do anything other than pass it back and contain it. And then you look at Onana, and Onana's stats have changed as well, too. So you look at his two prior matches, five dribble attempts in his two prior matches against Man U and Spurs versus six in the prior seven. Up to that point, he wasn't overly progressive, and now he was being asked to create and progress more. So look at his shot-created actions. He had two shot-created actions versus eight in the prior seven. So it's weird. He's playing up higher. He's carrying the ball more, but he's not even creating as much as he did before. And so, look, it could be that we just had two tough matches, right? That could be what it is. But I'm looking at it, and I just feel like there's almost a role reversal. And so I I, kind of posted this on Twitter, and I said, Onan is not carrying the ball. Onan is carrying the ball not well, making passes like through ball to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Remember that? He missed that one. Not well, and it was open. I just felt like that's what you wanted a Wobie to do. And Onan is more of a defensive mid than an attacking mid, whereas Alex probably more is the other way around. I just feel like the midfield's been a mess since he flipped them three matches ago. So here's my question. In what what circumstance would this make sense? Like, what, why would he do that? I've heard some arguments, and I'm not sure any of them have merit. I mean, the only thing I could muster in terms of a guess, right? And, you know, I think a lot of people could contest this point, but... The only thought I have is maybe it corresponds with the fact that Patterson is out. We've got Seamus Coleman plugging back in it right back. Kind of the same discussion we've had in terms of who plays on the right side when Coleman or even Patterson at the beginning of the year was there, right? We talked about how, you know, Gordon offers, uh, you know, a lot of defensive uh, ability and, and energy to track back. Maybe it's the same case with Alex Wilby on the right side. Maybe he feels like in terms of defensive effort, um, stamina, positional awareness, um, Maybe it's a better fit uh, for coverage for Seamus. Could be. Energy. Why, I mean, the, yeah, ener- the energy has merit, Alex. I, I Positional awareness, maybe. But isn't Onana supposed to be the better defensive player? I, I, I mean, I think that's that's fair, Ryan. I think Alex, you know, I don't. I still think Onana should be the better defensive player and is certainly a worse offensive player. So he just should, by default, get kind of stuck with the dirty defensive work, in my opinion, where we just need... Basically, the, our midfield needs to function in such a way. Ghana cleans up the second guy, whoever it is, whether it's Decore or Nana, Tom Davies. They function just to link up and free up Alex Awobi as much as possible so he can get forward and create because no one else is really creating all that well. And we need him to be the focal point of our attack at this point. I think Alex has it right in that he's looking at it and saying, OK, well, the only thing that's changed is Coleman. So you got to figure it has something to do with that. Let's table the rest of this conversation because we're going to talk about midfield options later. Alex, you wanted to jump in real quick. I I just want to make one other point, and that is we have also seen pretty consistently, you know, I I missed the United match, but pretty consistently, at least later on in the match, although to be fair, Wobie was moving um, elsewhere later on in the match, Onana has moved further forward, and they've definitely used him as some sort of target to link up attack. Especially when 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 Mopai was uh, you know primarily playing, so how can he do both? Yeah, that that's a good point. We didn't see it as much today because you had Dom in there for a little bit. But you're right. There's been often where we even on throw-ins and stuff where you're pushing Onana up. Remember the Manchester United match? There was so much interchanging between the midfield; it became a cluttered mess. That was a little bit of a byproduct of that. We felt like with 
with the moped up top. He's not quite the target. Onana can be that way on long goal kicks and things like that. And, and to keep him up high eliminates some of the shuffling. So that would have made sense today because the right back was pushed up and you'd rather have that than hoofing it up to Gordon to deal with burn, even though we kept doing it. So there may be some merit to that. I'm not sure if we're executing that very well though, but either way, the byproduct of the domination eventually came, came to fruition for Newcastle in the 30th minute. I got to admit, I, I didn't see as much as this class on the ball in MLS from this guy, but this was a pretty slick finish. Yeah, it is. A, it's a good goal. Good team goal really by Newcastle, but our defense is just All makes it way too easy for them. It's Almiron with the curler finish from outside the box, assisted by Gimesh, Gimarsh, Gimesh, Bruno, 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 <laughs> and and Almiron's completely unmarked. It's a slid pass by Bruno across the 18, and no one marks him. No one steps to him. Mikolenko is marking a guy. Tarkowski's kind of standing in space, trying to I don't know do what exactly. Damari Gray is sort of after trying to block the initial cross that went in, is kind of just standing around the edge of the 18, maybe trying to wait for us to get the ball back so he can break. It's it's poor all around, besides the finish from from Almiron, which is, is really good. But everyone kind of puts their hands to the air and says, why us? We're down 1-0. Woe is us. But it was a deserved goal from Newcastle. And then they followed it up very shortly after with a couple other really close chances. Bruno went close again. They had a, you know, we just we just made it again. It, it almost became a very rapid capitulation. Luckily, we held our own and held them there. Um, and then as we get to the end of the first half, some fireworks started to go off uh, as the physicality kind of came to a head. Yeah, so so this is the situation in which Anthony Gordon is, is kind of battling it out, um, running for the ball towards their 18-yard box. They get into the 18-yard box. Gordon catches up, steps right in front of uh, Dan Byrne, and the next thing you know, whether Byrne is trying to either A, clear the ball because he didn't see Gordon or, or didn't expect him coming, or B, try to tackle Gordon with the ball. Um, he essentially takes a hack at his uh, uh, trailing leg to an extent, and Gordon falls. And, and that's when, you know, uh, Trippier starts beefing with Gordon, and then, and then things kind of pop off physically. Um, you know, I, the referee obviously didn't call a penalty, Um VAR reviewed it as things were kicking off and teams were pushing and shoving and, and Onano got in there too. That was kind of funny. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of confused as to why it's not a penalty, right? I, I think that there's quite a bit of contact. I think that sort of contact, I think less contact than that, right? Like a simple clip on the heel in any other area of the pitch is a foul. Um, I don't understand why, even if it's not called a penalty, it wouldn't be called one in VAR. And I, I feel pretty confident in saying that if, if it was reversed, right, if the referee called it an on-field penalty and VAR checks it, I feel very confident in saying that I, it would not be overturned due to the fact that there was such um, such contact, like critical contact and like how he how he swung his leg and hit him. But also the fact that that would not be deemed clear and obvious error based on VAR standards at all. Um well, I don't think it's a penalty personally because I don't think it, there was enough force for to him to go to ground or whatnot. But your point is right. It's just inconsistent, Alex, is how it always is. I mean, for example, the Spurs penalty. I'm sorry. It's not but, a penalty. I don't care what people say. I keep hearing people say, oh, 90% is a penalty. It's not. He's going down already. Him flopping down initiated the contact with Pickford's head. So it didn't cause the penalty. It didn't cause the foul. It didn't cause him to go down to the ground. So by that standard... What are we talking about here? Is that what they decided? If there was contact and Gordon went down, if you're saying the only reason it's not a penalty is because there's no linkage between the two, then how is that? I just don't understand. I don't know what's a penalty really anymore, um, but I guess it's up to every referee. And look, I, I will say this. I wouldn't have called it a penalty, too. It was certainly consistent to not call it a penalty based on today being a borderline street fight at times. Um, Patrick Bolin, Patty at Patty Boylan. Lampard says he feels Everton should have had a penalty for a foul on Gordon tonight. James, we haven't heard from you. I'm on the fence. I mean, I, I think at this point, Anthony Gordon take stand. has earned himself a bit of a reputation. I do Split think vote. He, he waits. <laughs> he waits for the contact. He's looking to go down. He's in no position to realistically get a shot off. I think if he's in a position where he's actually looking to shoot, he's almost on the end line by the time he goes down. 
I don't think that does him any favors. It, it shouldn't matter really, but I think it kind of does in, in the context of the match. If you're a referee looking at that, he's not scoring from there. So you're basically going to gift us a 75, 76% chance at a goal for a play that was never really going to end in a goal either way. Lampard, I mean, of course he's going to say it's a penalty because he needs all the help he can get at this point. And, but I, I, I first watch, I was like, that's a penalty stonewall on a number of replays. I'm like, okay, this is just AG being AG doing what he does. He goes down too easy. So frustrating. I wouldn't have been surprised to see a given. I think if it's any of the top six, any of the top sides in the league, they get that nine times out of 10. And we don't seem to get those sorts of calls ever. So I'm I'm really not even surprised at this point, but it's a tough one. I'm big on the deserve kind of make your own break things. At yeah. least, you know, I almost feel like I hate seeing a, a result. That's just one dumb play, but a foul is a foul. But yeah, I mean, because the bottom line is to quote uh, William money from unforgiven deserves got nothing to do with it. Um, and so that's why I can't quite figure out what's a penalty half the time or what's not. I still, I mean, look, I mean, I still think if it's questionable, he should go to the, the VAR the screen himself should be the subjective decision of the referee that being said i think if it was he probably would have not called it a foul because ultimately everything else was not a foul today whatsoever but i think it's fair to bring it up and i understand why lampard might feel that way but we didn't deserve anything from this match so all right let's move into the second half i I do think there was a little bit changes you're right alex sometimes we push on on it up high i thought frank did the right thing it looked like he brought on on a deeper a little bit and pushed a wobi up higher it looked like a wobi was a little more central Still shading over to the right, which I just hate. We're trying to play through the little a little bit more. And I thought we did it a couple times. It was hard to do. And had we been a little more organized and spent more of the match getting on the ball, having possession, and trying to make that play without forcing it, I think our defense would have been better. And I think we would have had more chances. Ultimately, if it doesn't go through Alex, it's like we don't create anything. But I just still think we have some issues with the back line collectively and trying to keep the ball and not that they can't keep the ball. I think there's some decent decision makers on the ball back there. It's the lack of progression, the inability to cut Mm -hmm. through the line. You don't have to pressure them. They're not even Cody who can really pass the ball. It's just not going to happen or they're not taking the chance, especially with Coleman out there. And, And I felt like the 53rd minute was a perfect example of how defensive and how much we back off as a defensive crew this is basically Almiron taking the exact same shot he had during the goal, right? I mean, it, it almost looked, didn't you guys see it? You're like, wow, this it's like deja vu deja all vu. over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a play where, you know, Coleman kind of, it's a 50-50 ball. The Coleman goes up and wins, and it almost looked like he won it over in front of him for Cody to just kind of jump forward and sweep up and take off with. But it wasn't the best touch. And Cody, I mean, never did the thought cross his mind to jump forward and take that ball. But I'll bet you a lot of center halves would have. And so he steps back, gives acres of time, slides it over to Almiron. Same shot again. He puts over, puts wide, I think. But I thought that was a perfect example of some of the limitations in the decision making. We just have so many guys that back off and back off. Mikolinko, same way. Sheamus is not going to race for Tark every now and then jumps forward. But it just limits a lot of what we can do um, before the subs. I mean, we, we were on the ball. I think we had 60% possession, right? And I think Alex, you made the comment off the pod. Gray looked better, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think he turned the ball over after the first half. He had a couple dribbles. He looked dangerous. Mopay tried to force one in to Mikalinko rushing forward at one point that looked dangerous. Newcastle only had three shots. I don't remember him ever being real significant other than Almiron's 84% pass success. We at least look coherent and you can't break down the final third at least by design with design passing sequences unless you have control of the ball and i thought we had that but i'm not sure the subs helped that at all in fact of anything it felt like we went backwards yeah i mean we we obviously dominated the ball there was some graphics being shown on the broadcast over a five minute period we had like 90 percent possession and again it was like 60 40 for large stretches of early on in the second half but still zero shots and that's you know sometimes possession is a, is a good defensive tool they can't score if we have the ball but we're trailing and we need to get back in this game and we're kind of doing nothing when we have the ball even if we're retaining possession well and as you say ryan i mean the first couple subs are neil mopai and james garner for calvert lewin and awobi what do you guys think about those selections um dominic calvert lewin you know gets 
72, 73 minutes of game time. I kind of understand that. Alex Wobie at this point getting subbed when we're losing. Alex, what did you think at the time? Yeah, I mean, I th- I thought it was extremely late. You know, I it could have warranted it. You know, I, I would have said maybe 55, 60. I saw, you know, we were playing better. I understand it. Um, I was surprised Dominic Calvert-Lewin honestly, you know, uh, played that long. T- but it was positive. I mean, I get it. He he essentially has to come out. Nobody's going to come in for him other than Moped. And, and you know, Garner, I, I was excited to see him come on just because I, I think he has a a pretty good future at Everton. And I want to see kind of what role he can take on. Um, maybe a good sub. Interesting that it was over Ducore though, right? Um, and then again, just the fact that Awobi came off, I think that was the wrong decision. But I, I do kind of struggle to see, you know, uh, uh, who would have come off. I don't think it would have been any of the three midfielders that were on if it was up to me. You want to talk about the moped and the socks? <laughs> I just well, wanted you've to... Already, you've already opened that can of worms. I wanted to just harken back to the to the days, simpler times of Jabril Sidibe being unable to locate his socks. This time we had Neil Mopai in the completely wrong color socks. I don't really know how that slipped by the officials. If they just didn't care, did we not bring extras? I just want to know the backstory. Like, how does a man get changed and put on socks and no one's like, dude, wrong color. You, you brought the wrong ones. Or who, Ball is who's life. at fault? Heads need to roll is basically where I'm trying to go with this. Someone needs to be punished for this egregious offense. I do think the blue actually looked better than the white as an aside. But, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, fashion statement. Was, that's what it is. I was really disappointed to see a will become off. He is French. I think. <laughs> yes. Fashion. Trust me. I know. We, we. Well, <laughs> so, so I think there's a good quote here. Pennsylvania toffees at PA toffees, or I just want to get my Western Pennsylvania brethren in into the show as much as I can. Um, Number one, that was just a poor performance. Yeah, I know. Uh, I would like to see more creativity. Also, why take off Wobes? Even playing below his recent performance is far better than most of the squad. Yeah, I, I can't. I just can't figure that one out. I, a couple of us were speculating online. And I mean, Nigeria's not in the World Cup. I, I don't know what your concern is here. I know he's played a lot. I get that. But and again, people are. It's already starting, by the way, that Wobey's not been good recently. He's playing on the right. Just put him back. Why would you take a guy that supposedly is in his best form ever? Not true. And move him. I don't get it. But anyway, yeah, I wouldn't take him off. It seemed like he was the guy that was creating any chances whatsoever. At least he's the guy we're really forcing it into. I thought we lost a lot of purpose when he left. I would have taken off one of the wide players. I, I don't I don't get that at all. Um, but anyway, 74 minute on after that sub, I mean, five to nil shots by Newcastle passing dropped down to 70%. I, I thought we looked much worse. McNeil came on for gray in the, in the 79th <laughs> again, gray, I thought looked okay in the second half. We needed to score. Um, I know he's a, a liability defensively, no decore, no vinagre. in. I, 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 I would have liked to see vinagre playing at left back against these guys. So it begs to ask the question collectively. We took DCL, Wobie, Gray off. Frank, think we're going to score after that uh, that series of substitution? Does that make a lot of sense to you guys? It just on the surface, I think it begs to ask a couple questions, I think. Yeah, you just kind of wonder what, what the thought process is. I mean, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think Frank's probably not thrilled about his attacking options off the bench, but to take off what basically is your three. At least in terms of potential guys who can actually create something and maybe get us points in this from this match just seemed like a strange choice. You know, Garner needs minutes. Whoa, he maybe needs rest. He's probably going to start at the weekend again. Maybe he's, you know, dealing with a knock or something where he can't go the, the distance. And again, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you don't want to run him into the ground and have him face another long-term setback, but it basically killed any chance we had of equalizing in this match. So it's just, it, it just kind of stinks. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, eh. Unless he's unless he's nuts, he might have just had one eye on the weekend, right? Three days to go. He could. Um, you know, we, we started a lot of the guys that you would say are pretty much all of the guys that you'd say would be in the starting 11. So, yeah, I so, get it. And, and, and look, you know, I'll tell you what, if you felt like it was going to be tough for him and, you, and look, it's more important, I think, to win and beat the lesser teams. Maybe he was just kind of keeping a cool head and, and thinking of the bigger picture, which if that's the case, you know what? I'm going to quote the Unforgiven again. A man who will keep his head and not get rattled under fire like it is not. He'll kill you. So there you go. That's Frank Lampard. He'll kill you. It's not really relevant, but I just like that movie. Anyway, let's get into the individual performances. Let's start with the goods. Alex, you're yes. good. 
I'm reaching really, really hard. I, I know. Hurts. This is hard. You're, you're going first, but you actually had the third pick. Just so yeah, it's not your fault. Not I had the one, man. which I think was the. Uh, I know some people are going to argue with me, but anyway, I'll, Alex, go. I'll freaking sell it though. Um, yeah. So my good is is James Garner off the bench. Um, I just personally have been excited about seeing him uh, for Everton. I think he was a uh, pretty good, sensible buy. Um, he took care of the ball for the most part. Looked pretty quick, um, positionally aware. Uh, I think you know he kind of sat back for the most part. Um, he offers like a new option in midfield. I want to see what role he kind of fits into and what, what role Lampard sees him fitting into. Although it doesn't seem maybe we have clear, clear ideas of what roles we want in the midfield currently. Um, but just to kind of back up what I'm saying, you know, 14 for 17 in passes, right? He was on what, 17 minutes or so. Um, so 82% pass accuracy, a couple of passes in the final third, a tackle recovery. Um, so pretty much just solid, definitely didn't look out of place and, uh, excited to see him start getting integrated into the team and he took a corner too which was pretty decently delivered as his well. right foot's outstanding i mean that's yep, his gift truly his gift and his work rate and straight ahead speed's pretty good i think frank thinks he could play the six i don't so uh that'll be interesting to see he played it with the u21s and thought he looked completely lost in it uh, by himself but i think they fancy him as kind of a deeper line playmaker but he's got the work rate he's got the effort he's a tough kid and he knows the city <laughs> that's right so my good is Adrissa Ghanagay and uh, I don't care what anyone says they're wrong the guy was great I understand he made one bad pass he did now he made up for it by grabbing a shirt and taking a yellow okay that's one mistake that didn't cost us but the bottom line is if that guy wasn't out there making tackles I don't even know how many goals we would have conceded he was protecting the back line the whole back line five for five in tackles two clearances he was all over uh, 86.4% pass rate, second on the whole team. I, I don't understand how someone could say just because he had one bad giveaway, which he made up for by fouling, that suddenly, magically, he gives the ball away. It's the same garbage as we heard last time he was here. It's not true. People think he's a bad possession player. You're nuts. He's the only person that wins back possession for us consistently, and he takes care of the ball. The numbers are out there, folks. Go research them yourself. These people on Twitter that think I work for them to produce numbers to convince them or something, I don't care what you think, but you are wrong. Um, two for four in long balls, 89 touches. He had 24 more touches than anyone else on the pitch and only three turnovers. And the bottom line is Newcastle made it hard for him to play through people. So I'm not going to fault him for that. Ultimately, some other people have to be able to be progressive and get the ball into dangerous areas. If he can't pass it down the middle, it's got to be Cody. It's got to be Tark. It's got to be Coleman. It's got to be Mikalenko. Those are four guys behind him that are facing the goal when they receive balls. They have to be more productive, and they were not. I thought he was outstanding. Um, and some people, I, I maybe they just ball watch and don't see, but... I mean, he 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 had a very tough job tonight. And I thought he did all right. Well, it's it's the anecdote, right? It's the one moment that sticks so vividly in your head, which is the bad pass. Recency bias, tactical foul. Yeah, recency bias, hundred percent. My good. Uh, I tweeted before the match. I said I don't even think tonight's result matters as much as Dominic Calvert Lewin getting seventy plus minutes of game time and on track to full fitness. He basically did exactly that. Played seventy two minutes, did not get hurt though. He did go down, and I was very scared at one point that he might have re injured himself. One of the few positives other than Ghana, and and I agree with you, Alex. I think Garner looked okay in his in his appearance. Pretty decent. But other than that, there there weren't a lot of positives for me. Remember Brian. last year we, when we saw Dominic Calvert-Lewin come back last year, it took him a couple matches to kind of get his timing back, especially in the aerials. So I and I think that's natural, right? I mean, that that's a hard thing to get the feel of, and it's a difficult thing, and he does it at such a high level. That so I mean that, we, that's we, a good thing. Someone was calm. I, I wish I could attribute it talking in the discord. The first like aerial he went for, he jumped like six seconds too early. He was like back on the ground by the time the ball got to him. And that's exactly to your point, Ryan, what we're talking about. It will take him time to ramp up. I guess my bigger concern going forward is he can't score goals on his own. He's not going to create goals out of nothing. He needs that service. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly where that's going to come from. So, Trending away from the good and into the bad. I think that's a good segue, Alex. Who did you go with for your bad besides the yeah. whole team? So so I didn't focus on an individual as much, um, just the outlook as a whole. And and really the bad, my, my biggest negative takeaway um, from tonight is, and, and obviously this comes with a couple, a couple footnotes, but we finally have arguably the first choice 11 um, out, of, out of the roster, excluding Patterson. Maybe the other argue would be uh, Ducore, right? but we still look terrible. We look toothless in attack. 
Um, you know, the shape looks wrong. People look confused at times. Roles are changing constantly. Um, and I have a, a tongue in cheek comment to wrap it up, which is, you know, why didn't Ghana fix our God dang problems? Because I, I thought he would, I thought he was going to save us, you know, don't yeah, forget for- about Yeri Mina, Alex. Under three million pounds was the price we paid for Ghana. He was going to fix all our problems. By the way, that was so needed and badly. Imagine if he's not in this pitch. Oh, no, I can't. I'd rather right. And people are just ridiculous. Honestly, but anyway, ah, people want to hold the same people that said Lukaku's goals don't matter. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> list. It's the same ridiculous. It's a small group of ridiculous people. The nice part is everyone that was responding to me with ignorance. I don't they don't follow me. You could see I'm like, man, I really have picked and picked the right people. Uh, <laughs> anyway, bad. Uh, many small. for me, too. I mean, well. Uh, you know, I was going to pick on Damari Gray, but I thought he rebounded in the second half. Um, and he did get our one key pass. Brandon was on the set piece, but eh, you know, I mean, it was, it was a good service. Um, Gordon is, is the one I just, the thing is he had 39 touches and he was fed the ball quite a bit, but Byrne just owned him. And again, it wasn't just Byrne. He had Botman kind of coming over and helping him, but I mean, he played 90 minutes, two for four in dribbles. And it felt like it was two for a million. Um, 77% 77% passing, no shots, no key passes, no successful crosses. He did try one, though. Four turnovers. He did lots of shoving and diving. He did have two tackles, but even then, I mean, he, I didn't see him as his typical defensive contributions. Not his fault because the back line was staying deeper. One clearance, he, he just wasn't effective, and he didn't really do anything. And and I don't think he really deserved the penalty. Whether he should have got it or not is another story. And I, I think... It's a bad combination, Gray and Gordon, and I just don't. I don't think he played well. What can you say? You know, agreed. I agreed. I, I, and I think the optimism for Anthony Gordon to continue his meteoric rise, as some have characterized it, though we never have on the show, uh, that's starting to dwindle. I think people are getting pretty frustrated with the lack of output for a guy who has been kind of the focal point of Everett, a lot of Everton's marketing efforts and all that sort of stuff in the past year. And he's talked about how he saved us from relegation and he's the only one who kept us up. And, well, he's kind of a below average player at, or was last year. And I don't think he's really shown too many signs of improvement. Unfortunately, again, I still want him to succeed anyway for my bad. I and he still could James. He still, yes, could. yeah, yeah. A hundred. She's still super young. Like let's, let's not get carried away. But fact of the matter is he was poor today. My bad. Atali Mikolenko, 63% passing on the day. A lot of that was just really poorly misplaced with not a whole lot of pressure on him. The only worst player in the team was Dominic Calvert-Lewin at like 55%, and he's playing striker and not pretty isolated striker at that. Mikolenko was missing passes left and right, and he was trying to go forward at times or at least pass the ball forward and misplacing, turning the ball over. And there were just a few too many times where he received the ball wide, and I just thought, at least four or five times in this match, like if we really had a fullback that could push forward and really be a contributor in attack, we'd be so much better off. But he doesn't contribute in attack, and he looked really slow on defense as well. He did have one dribble, but 0 for 2 in aerials. A couple of clearances and an interception. Unfortunately, just not his best day either. So with that, look at the summary, Alex. I mean, it doesn't get... And as far as analytics go, much more pathetic than our figure today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the summary is quite short and sweet, and and it really comes down to, um, you know, total domination, as mentioned earlier. All of the stuff we, you know, we discussed is really just noise to the fact that uh, XG philosophy had Newcastle at one point four one expected goals to Everton's zero point one three. Um, you know, another another very uh, hideous. XG, um, another match with only only one shot. Um, you know, another highlight to that was you know they were twenty two to eight in crosses when we uh, when we had our big target man starting for the first time this year. Uh, it it posts. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan's laughing at me. It's I, sad. I mean, it's just God. It is it's sad, just, man. Um, Everything was so disjointed today. I mean, you know, it's sad, Alex, when you're looking at graphics, trying to figure out which XG is right. And you're debating between 0.13 or like the 0.06 at understat. I mean, that's how bad it is, right? Yeah, the 0.13 doesn't make me feel any better. Um, you know, I actually feel like to, to better illustrate our summary, I should have sound more depressed, but I'll work <laughs> on that for next time. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there's the big question. I, Sebastian Ferns um, at Sebastian underscore Ferns 
sent this out to me and I, I think it's a good summary to kind of take us to the end here of the pod and, and it's a worthwhile discussion i think a lot of people were talking about it out there and it's very simple it's what should the club be doing and why aren't we creating goal scoring opportunities so i think the first step is figuring out what's the problem like why aren't we creating goal scoring opportunities before we do that though let's be very clear i mean i think our defensive metrics look worse than our offensive metrics i mean i mean i and I think, I mean, we've talked about the XGA so much, like in previous episodes, and I'm looking online and I'm looking at, you know, the Everton subreddit and on Twitter and people are saying our defense is, is rock solid. Just two games ago, people were earnestly saying we have the best defense in the league with James Tarkowski and Connor Cody. And I'm like, give me, what are you smoking? Like, can I, can I have some of that? Because I don't see that at all. I don't know. Just because we're not conceding, we're still chipping a lot of chances and it's really just not pretty. And the numbers, pretty much any, if you go beyond the surface level of just goals conceded, which that doesn't even look that good anymore after the last few games, it's a really grim picture we're looking at defensively. Yeah, 18th in the Premier League and expected goals against going into this one. Uh, we've given up 13 more shots going into this match than any other team. And look, the bottom line is our post-shot expected goals plus minus is the best in the Premier League. And our expected goal versus goals against after that is the second best in the Premier League. That means Pickford is saving stuff an incredible rate, way beyond what the post-shot quality expected goals should be. And then they're just having bad shots otherwise. I mean, that's what it's been. We've been riding Pickford's good performances and a lot of luck. And look, the second Pickford gets human, we have three bad results. Um, Matt S. at Matt Stan 11. We've been riding our luck since day one. And he's right. I, I don't see how you can argue that. His vote of confidence is, is six, I think. Um, but okay, let's go back to this. Why are we not creating? First of all, it's not finishing. So I don't want to hear that garbage anymore. That's just not true. Three out of the last four leading up to it, we exceeded our XG. Four of the last five, same thing. We outperformed it. So it's not the finishing. It's the chance creation. So um, Michael at Green Al EFC, um, one of the Toffee Analysis members. Seriously, you need to follow this guy. He says a lot of interesting things. He's great. His numbers, EFC have some clear in-possession issues emphasized yesterday. Feel free to go see the tweet, but it's ugly. You know, passes and attacking third, attacking third touches, penalty box touches, passes in the penalty box, 10 pass sequences, 17 build-up attacks, all terrible. So then you combine it with the poor D, and as RuPaul Pogba at Bossman Jr. nicely puts, XG differential of a relegation team. So it's not just the attack. However, let's look and see you know, what's going on? Why aren't we creating chances? We talked about the midfield. Number one, midfield should be a strength. Can it create? We talked about a Wobie and why he's not as creative on the right as he is in the left. We've talked about that endlessly. Ghana, look, maybe he's not the most creative, but I just think it's a terrible idea. I don't think you could take, take him out, but yes, Garner could create more possibly from the back, even though we may get gouged. I mean, it's asking way too much for him to just step in. So let's talk about then our, our center mid, in essence, the eight, if we think Awobi is our one real attacking player, and Decore versus Onana. So why do we think decorey has been kind of ignored? Um, and look, Onana's a great young player, and he's had some good moments, but he's already been in the penalty area 17 times leading up to this match. That's more than McNeil, moped, the moped, or Awobi. Awobi's only been in the box 11 times before this match. That seems criminal. Onan only has 10 shot created actions. He does have two goal created actions, but that's not his bread and butter. He only had one all last year. I think he needs to stay back. He's a good possession player. He can dispossess the other team, takes care of the ball. You just see when he's running with it, he's a little uncomfortable, right? And I just, I, I don't, and I wonder, I mean, is DeCorey a better choice in there if we need to create more? Not that he's super creative. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm a little little puzzled by Decore's absence over the last few matches. I I was firmly, along with many others, on the Onana hype train when he made his debut. He's a very likable guy. He's put in some really good performances for us. It's just really easy to forget that he is still incredibly young and he's still very new to this league and he has a lot of developing to do. I think the discipline and positional awareness is something that he needs to needs to improve on. Might need um, a break it, too, James. I mean that that as well, Ryan. That's true. And like people Again, people are saying, like, I saw someone say today, is DeCorey not good enough? Any, like, is Frank not think he's good enough to play? I I have a hard time believing that he can't get a sub appearance at the very least. I mean, this guy's been very solid for us since he arrived. I know some, you know, he, he does divide opinion. Some people aren't convinced by him, but 
I really like DeCorey. I think he adds a lot, and I think he is one that can be disciplined. And we talk so many times when DeCorey has played in the past about the amount of ground he covers. Like he's just everywhere. And I think we need a little bit of that getting up and down the pitch, more so staying back, but do want that from DeCorey. And I think he can bring that to the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily the the best idea in the world, but you know, he played ten, if I'm not mistaken, at Watford at uh, times for some bits, for some bits, especially you know towards the end of his Watford career before coming to Everton. Right, um, we saw him play higher up and score a handful of goals under Rafa, um, you know, initially, and and he was kind of we did kind of rely on him, in my opinion, in that in that role to an extent. Um, you know, maybe not as much as as a creator, but as as an engine in that area of the pitch. Um, I don't think that it's you know too hard to argue that we should look at it as an option, and it's clear that Frank just doesn't know what he wants to do with the midfield, um, you know, which can be good or bad because of all the options. But he needs to figure out what roles we really need to prioritize and and who is best at them, I, and, and I, pair that obviously with who's fit, right? You know, I, I know Ducore's been on the bench for a little bit, but I, you know, maybe the only other thing there is you know maybe he's just not ready for a couple minutes, and Garner's been knocking on the door waiting in a training. It's hard to know what's going on with him, but people forget. I mean, he scored seven goals, five goals, four goals. I mean, he had nine and ten goal contributions from open play two years around the Premier League. So it wasn't that long ago. And if you're looking for a little more creation, maybe he offers it. Maybe it's just a change of pace. But so I think the second issue is if we dominate the ball, maybe we're not doing that. So that might be one of the causes why we're not creating anything and like we said, you know, at least it helps kind of the defense a little bit and, and in terms of keeping the ball. And if you do that, maybe you can now free up to come up with some unique tactical approaches that could help and really do some play design stuff and design passing sequences and movements in the final third, even though it's not Frank's bread and butter. But again, I think we have one big problem. And I think if we do that and we lose the ball with too many people in those positions, you expose Tark and Cody. I think that's a serious problem. And then the same thing with number three, I think an obvious answer is why aren't we, why aren't we creating more is we're not getting many players forward. And so look, but who would that be? So, okay. The fullbacks, we talked about Mikalenko. He's only got five touches in the penalty area all year. Is that what we want? Do we see him as no, no, he's never really shown that to be a strong part of his game. Coleman, I mean, Coleman, absolutely not. If he gets up there and not to mention, he's more of a half place player. He doesn't like playing in wide spaces and we're totally exposed. He can't get back. Patterson was better. You know, it wasn't great yet still, but at least he had the pace crosses from deep. I mean, I don't, we're not seeing any of that. I mean, we're, we're not high in the league and getting crosses into the penalty area. And again, I think the more numbers we get forward, we expose Tarkin Cody. It's not to say that we shouldn't maybe take a risk, but so to me, really the real reason why we're not creating is simple. It's that, look, yes, we could do all of those things, but under our current scheme, I mean, I think it's Gray and Gordon. So look, I I mentioned this the other day. I said, here's my tweet. Both those guys are averaging close to five touches game in the penalty area. They account for 40% of Everton's touches in the penalty area this season. Neither have a single assist. Yes, I know I hate assists. Gordon's XA is is expected assist is 0.4 leading at that point. And it's not any higher now. Pickford's expected assist is higher he's got two goals i get it but they're not creating nearly enough and to me if you're going to give those guys if you're going to give anyone five touches in the box they've got to produce something more than that um i think it's obvious in terms of what we're doing now now here's the question what can we do going forward i mean the first ones play different players so what does that look like i mean if those guys are the problem how do we get them off the pitch is that something we want to do i mean you could I could see a world where Awobi moves out to the wing on the left, and then you bring Decore in to fill that slot in the midfield, and then you don't necessarily have to. I mean, you could have Ghana and allow both Onana and Decore to push up in certain situations. That would require some discipline, but that you know strengthens, I think, our midfield defensively and gives us it gives Awobi more freedom to spend time further forward, get more touches in the penalty area. Those guys can back get back and forth a little bit too. You could probably expose your back line a little bit more. That that's. That's a thought. I mean, should Frank do that? I mean, do you get any signs he was doing that? And then, I mean, I mean, I love the idea. And, and that might be a scheme in which maybe you can maybe you can start Vinagre because of the overlap on the left, his ability, you know, in attacking play and and the fact that we have, you know, Wobi, Ducore, Onana and Ghana all somewhat covering in some capacity, too. Yeah, and I think that maybe in, in that situation, you could even bring a Gardner with the right foot. At least we'd be better off set pieces, maybe. And and if we pressure more, maybe there'll be more set pieces, that type of thing, be more aggressive. 
Um, Holgate in for Coleman, maybe. I mean, if he's not really doing much in terms of attack, I mean, God knows Holgate's uh, not going to do that. Well, look, he's aggressive. I saw people say that today, and I'm like, I, I don't think it makes a big difference, does it? Does that make a big difference? No, because Holgate can't get forward either. Like he can't. Yes, it's not going to help with creation. But he, maybe Holgate Coleman maybe right, needs a break. Straight up right now, Holgate might be a better defensive right back than Coleman because he's getting torched by basically everyone. He in the I, second I, half I, today, I, I felt it. like they went right after him on the counter when we were possessing the ball. Didn't you guys get that vibe? Like the second they won, they went right to the left side. And why wouldn't you? No, I think I think that's the one. Nico's stepping back. Coleman retreating doesn't have the pace to get back. It seemed open. Um, so Greg Hodson at Hod twenty ten. Our only option is to push Awobi into the front three and bring Garner or Davies in. We're painful in the attacking third. I, I don't I mean yes, maybe that would help, but you still need some guys to finish. Maybe Malpe can play as one of those wide players too. I, I don't. I don't know. I get, so here's the other option. Play different systems. Again, I think we're limited here with center backs. I mean, maybe you could go with three and play wing backs with McNeil and Awobi. I mean, I don't like Awobi at right wing back. Does that help? Maybe it helps with possession. Do you play two up Dominic Calvert-Lewin at right wing back? I've heard that's great, but that's football. Um, yeah, I do you play two up top? I mean, these aren't things that Frank is. I mean, Frank almost has never played two up top, even though we saw it a little bit a couple matches ago. I mean, you still got Rondon. I, I don't I mean, I, yeah, I just. I think we're a little bit limited with the personnel right now. I just every time I look at it, I just look and I say our center backs are going to be exposed. Our center backs are going to be exposed. But I think we should probably change some things. Um, so let me let me hit James Gardner at JRG Gardner 91's quote. Um, we played poorly, simple as that. Times where we pass the ball directly to Newcastle more often than our own teammates. But his comment is need to change the entire system for the weekend. Try two up top with Wobie just behind them. Sit Gray and Gordon for the start. I mean, what do we think about that? Or I mean, wouldn't you try first the personnel changes in the same system? I, I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think initially the system worked pretty well. Like it was it was promising in terms of our our ball movement and possession style. Once we switched, I mean, obviously the the, the last couple of games have been challenging, um, but I do believe again with all the changes. Um, you know, all the guessing in terms of who's going to play what role in the system. Um, and obviously just changing the system itself, you know, once or twice during each match doesn't help. Um, so I agree. I, I, I would stick, I would stick to the same system, but, but definitely switch out personnel and, and, and hopefully give, give clearer instructions in terms of roles and responsibilities. I mean, we've been working on this four through three now for so long. Do we see Frank bring Mason Holgate back into the fray and go back to the back five that we all loved so much at the start of the year? Something. I mean, you could argue that we went to a four because we got all the all the other center backs injured, right? No, I mean, right. That's true. And I think that maybe I don't know how much he trusts Holgate. I mean, Michael Keane's not in the picture very clearly at this point, but that. Maybe, maybe I mean, we, that gives us solidity. I mean, and then you, you're maybe not as worried about Cody getting and Tarkowski getting exposed if you have that third body in the back and you can push Mikolenko and Coleman up further. But I just don't see even pushing them up further. I still don't see them having a ton of impact because it's just not really their strengths other than they could maybe provide support and free up, you know, give Ray Gordon, Wobi, whoever's playing wide McNeil, someone to play off of someone to overlap, take away some of those two V ones that we're facing so often. I don't know. Um, the, other op- the other option I had, James, is just pressure more. And, I mean, you look at some of these players, they can press. I mean, Garner, Onana, Decore, Ghana, Wobie, Gordon McNeil, DCL, the Moped. Those guys can all pressure. But, again, every time I think of that as a solution, it just seems like we still have an issue, right? Doesn't that expose the back line? Yeah. So, I mean, wh- what do you do there? I, look, I think one thing we all agree on, January is really key. And, you know, getting Patterson and, and Godfrey and Mina back. I know people don't think that makes a big difference and they're sold on Cody and Tark, but I think we might feel differently when January comes around. Um, Patterson, I, I couldn't believe going in the season, he would be that important for us, but Coleman has looked so off it. I think he has become that way. Maybe him at wing back could help. Um, definitely some better attacking players would help for sure in those wide positions. If we're going to keep with the same system, I think that's really the only solution. The good part is in the summer, we didn't really make a big, I think, mistake or a big allocation to put us behind the eight ball. We didn't we didn't take an unnecessary risk and maybe we'll be in good position to take 
take some chances with teams that get desperate in January. And maybe there'll be some injuries after the World Cup. I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think we're poised to do some damage at that point. Um, but anyway, I think that's a pretty thorough discussion. I, I think those are the options. I like the idea, though, Alex, really. I mean, if let's change the personnel first before we get too drastic about going crazy with systems. I think we've got to run a games that are achievable coming up. And and so the final word, I wanted to hit this one from Liz and, and kind of get your final take on it. So Liz L at L Lafibre 11. Um, not crazy to think we'd get zero points from Man U Spurs Newcastle and Newcastle's away. And so was Spurs, but frustrating to lose all three with no attacking ideas. Um, Worrying signs are there, but think if we can get results from the next run of matches from similar games this season, we won't be in real danger. And I think that's a good kind of some levity and some thoughts. I know we don't see a lot of attacking acumen right now, but these were three tough games. So do we think it's the tough games or are we in real trouble here? I mean, if we're saying real trouble in terms of relegation or, or you know, coming down to the wire in anywhere near the same capacity we did you know, last season, then, then I would heavily disagree. There are way too many signs, way too many differences in, in how the teams, you know, approach matches, um, how fit they are. Obviously a lot of new pieces that are helping a ton across the pitch for us. Um, you know, I, I do feel like, you know, we, we will underperform maybe how we would, you know, how we would say our goal is for the season. Right. I mean, I mean, me personally, I, I would think that, you know, you'd want to target, let's say the top half, um, after last season, looking at the personnel that we brought in, um, you know, injuries derail that, uh, obviously struggles, you know, coaches trying to figure out who plays where, um, you know, adaptation to the league all plays a role in that. And we also have, as as you, you've all mentioned, right, and James kind of hit on mostly the January transfer window is a big one, um, but that's just going to be pending uh, what happens with the World Cup and how, how we can how we can move because of that. Yeah, I mean, you look at the fixtures that, that Liz mentions. We've got Palace on Saturday, following Saturday, Fulham, followed by Leicester City. And then we play Bournemouth in the Cup, and then Bournemouth four days after that. And then we're off from November 12th to the day after Christmas, which is going to be weird. Uh, and I think if we can get six to eight points out of these next four fixtures, I think we'll be in decent shape. And to Alex's point, I think you know tempered expectations are going to be important. Right now, I'm targeting 12th to 14th as like maybe close to best case scenario right now, but that could change very quickly. It looks like kind of the top six or seven spots are going to be pretty rock solid here shortly, and then it's going to be kind of a other teams beating up on one another. I don't think we're better than either of the three teams that we played in recent matches, and I don't think I don't think we need to beat the teams that are demonstrably better than us. Um, to stay up. I think we need to beat the teams in and around us and we'll be okay. Can we do that? We've shown that we can at least stay in these games and it's fine margins at that point. Just need to create a little bit more and hopefully Frank can tweak the personnel and the tactics to get us those points and the results that we need. Yeah, real quick for you wrap that up. Uh, shout out to my boy Doug and glad- James, I'm glad you said that. I've, I've got a Guinness riding on 15th or above this season and I really want to uh, stick it to him. He was talking crap just the other day. Okay, so James, going back to your to your schedule review there, how many points did you say again? Six the, to eight. Four. I'd be happy with two home matches, two away. Yeah, I mean, I would be happy with. I mean, seven would be amazing. Um, two wins would be fantastic. Yeah, and, and but those are the games you need to win, right? And uh, it would be nice. I, I think it really matters in January that we don't feel like we're in real relegation trouble. Uh, just to have the freedom to make a move that we don't feel pressure and we can take advantage of it. And, and there are a couple matches before that. I mean, one's Man City on New Year's Eve, which is just a reason to have a lot of cocktails, right? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the day after Christmas, we, we've we got Wolves. Um, I think that's at Goodison. Um, possibly get a result from that one. So that's the hope, right? That's the hope that we can come in with. I'll tell you what, if we got another 10, even nine points before the year end, I mean, that's... That's grim to talk about. Well, I know, all I've got to say is, but it gets us all to I've 18. Is, I mean, I, I, I think, yes, I would love to go on a nice little run, but right now we're not playing really well. I'm saying if you could do that before you add and then maybe go on a run with an injection of, of talent and maybe some guys get back soon. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic here, but I, I've just never thought, I didn't think, I thought 15th is a tough bet, by the way, Alex. I mean, that's about <laughs> right. It's about hey, right. If I guess. 
and it's a cheap bet. He's a cheap date. Um, but no, I, the only thing I have to say is I have I have not known Everton in my short life to be hot after any sort of break, whether that's you know uh, an international break or uh, you know mid season World Cup when the pressure's on. So I really feel like it's going to be imperative to pick up as many points as possible, and that goes without saying. Thank you, right, Alex, and I think that's a good spot to wrap this episode. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening to this rendition of the American Toffee Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on social media. Links in the description. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Otherwise, we'll be with you following the Palace match on Saturday, hoping for a reversal of fortunes and three points on the board for the Toffees. Until then, up the Toffees. <laughs>